People say the craziest stuff, don't they? Sometimes people say stuff and they're like, oh, I bet you wish they could take that back. Just over the last couple of years, Don Imus, you guys know who he is? He was the CNBC announcer, good guy, said some horrible things about the women's Rutgers basketball team, lost his job instantly. Then we have the Grey's Anatomy. Do we have any Grey's Anatomy fans in here? So we've got a few. You don't have to admit it. It's okay. Uh, Dr. Burke. So Isaiah Washington lost his job because he got in an argument with another cast member and called him a derogatory name. And job gone instantly. Gossip, saying stupid stuff. We have Spencer Pratt. Anybody know who he is? The students know. You guys watch The Hills. So uh, The Hills, it's this guy. He's on the show. And he supposedly spread a rumor there was a sex tape about this girl. And he later admitted it was a lie. But there's rumors. It's gossip. It, it infiltrates our society. If you go to the grocery store, you look on the side, the stands, it's all about gossip and getting the latest and greatest on the celebrity stars and all that's before us. And so I think one of the reasons why we gossip like we do is that we believe in our hearts there's not enough good to go around. We believe that, you know what, if I, if I could say that, you know, or if I could do that, my, I'm going to miss out on my good. So I got to put other people down to feel just a little bit better about myself. Let me give everybody, everybody in this room a test, okay? I want you to be gut level honest with this. So let's pretend one of your close friends, you're, you're hanging out with them and they just mentioned to you, they said, hey, I, I want you to know, I know I didn't earn it, I didn't deserve it, but I got a huge promotion at work. More money, more success, more stuff for me. What is your natural inclination that goes on in your stomach and in your head? Are you like, yeah, that's awesome. Or are you like, where's mine? I work hard too, I deserve it. You know, what's the natural feelings that come? Or, yeah. You know, Let's say that you get a, somebody gets a brand new car. They pull up to your house and they're driving the brand new car. It's shiny and black and cool looking. What do you feel inside? Outside, you're like, oh, dude, that's cool. I'm happy for you. But inside, are you like kicking yourself? And you're like, I, say, I have more money than him. I deserve this. They didn't do anything right for that. You know, what are the natural feelings that go on? Or somebody gets a huge bonus at work. You know, and you know, you're like, man, I work more hours than they do. I work harder. They're always on Facebook at work. They don't deserve that bonus. You know, what are the natural feelings that happen where they get to go on their dream vacation to Hawaii and you're looking at the pictures on Facebook and you're like, man, that just isn't right. I deserve this. And one of the things that's true, guys, is that life is not fair. It is never going to be fair. For my little girl, she's one year old and I want to ingrain in her from the beginning that it just isn't fair. The things that come at your way, you know, you, sometimes it's amazing and sometimes you're like, man, it, it is not fair one stinking bit. Well, this week... And the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about peace. And Dave said, don't you all long for peace? I know when he said that to me, I was like, oh, I long to be able to go to bed at night and just rest and wake up the next morning and feel good and have that peace in your soul. Like you get on vacation, you know, when you don't have any worries, there's no stress, life is good. You know, every single one of us longs for that, if we're going to be honest. Well, today we're talking about taming our tongue. And if you look up the word tongue in the scriptures, there's lots of words they use to describe it. I just want to use, tell you just a couple. So as you look throughout the scriptures, the tongue is described as wicked, as deceitful, as perverse, flattering, slanderous, gossiping, cursing, complaining, boasting, sensual, fil- filthy, corrupt, blasphemous, contentious. Man, that's crazy, isn't it? All those words to describe one little piece inside of our mouth. I don't think it's by coincidence that God put our tongue behind bars, which could be our teeth, in a little cage of a mouth. You know, that's not, that's not a coincidence. I think he knew exactly what he was doing when he designed our tongues. So James, James chapter 3. James talks a lot about the tongue. Every chapter of the book of James, he mentions the tongue. 
I think he believed it strongly. We had to begin to tame it. But before we jump into James chapter 3, I want to fill you guys in on just a little bit of background on James. So James was the brother of Jesus. He was the younger brother. And while Jesus was on this earth, before he died, James didn't want to have anything to do with him. So he'd sit there and he'd cross his arms whenever Jesus was speaking. And he showed up to things like the Sermon on the Mount because he later quotes it, you know, in his book. But uh, he, he showed up to things and he just had that like, that brother look like, oh, I'm, you know, you're not good enough, Jesus, or whatever. You know, we don't know exactly how it went. But he didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, Jesus dies. Okay, Jesus dies, raises, is raised from the dead, and somewhere, sometime, appears to James. Okay, and James and him have this conversation, and James is like, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. Every day I have left, it's going to count for something, and it's going to count for Jesus. And so he's gung-ho, gung-ho for Christ. Everywhere he goes, he's telling people, he instantly becomes one of the talk, top dog leaders in the church. People are going to him to hear his words. They want him to commission them. He's the man. And there's this group of people called the Pharisees. They're the religious leaders of the day. And they don't like James. They don't like him at all. They see all the esteem that he's getting. They see all the respect that's coming from everybody. And they're like, man, they start gossiping about him. They're like, let's kill that guy. You know, when he's not paying attention, let's end his life. He doesn't deserve this. You know, and they're talking bad about him. And so one day James is in the temple and they take James and they throw him off the roof of the temple. A couple stories to the ground, lands on the ground. Guess what? Alive. He's not dead. And so the Pharisees send guys after him with clubs and start going to kill him. This is true. James yells out right before he dies. He yells out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Does that sound familiar to anybody? It's exactly what Jesus said as he's on the cross. You know, and so James is following in his brother's footsteps. And the cool thing was, is we have a book that he wrote to the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, so the Christians spread throughout all of Israel. He decided, I'm going to write you a book. And in this book, there's 50 imperatives. So he doesn't say like, I suggest or I recommend you do this. James is like, do this with your life. Over 50 times in this book, he tells the people exactly on how to live, what to do, what their lives are to look like. And we have it documented in our, in our Bibles, the book of James, pretty stinking incredible. And so the tongue though, he felt very, very strongly about. So much so that he mentions it in every single chapter several times. And the thrust of it is, is that the same tongue that we use to praise God and to pray and to tell people all about Jesus is the same, same tongue that we use to curse our brothers and sisters, to beat their reputations up, to tell lies and to gossip. And he's saying, that can't be brothers and sisters. And so he wrote this book and he gave us six different pictures in this little passage in James 3 as to why we need to use our tongues for great things instead of terrible, destructive things. So James chapter 3, verse 1 Here's how it starts off. It says, Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is a highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of your life. And so uh, teachers back in the day, guys, they were the most esteemed position to be in. They were like superstars today or actors, and everybody wanted to be a teacher. What would happen is somebody would start to follow Jesus. They'd turn their life over to the Lord and they would put them underneath the, the teacher and say, all right, teach this guy everything he needs in order to follow Jesus with his life and his heart and how to live. And so what, what happened was some of these teachers back in the day were, were guiding their teachings towards gossip and towards slander. The teachers would take the privilege that they have and they would speak ill of other people. And James is saying in, in the first chapter, he's like, dude, this has to stop. And he's saying, and you know what? Teaching isn't as great as everybody esteems it to be. 
You know, everybody puts it on the pedestal, and it really isn't as special as what you guys think it is. So that's the very first part of the passage. And then he goes on to say, and this is for all of the, the, the people of Israel, all the people who call themselves followers of Jesus. He says, A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets the course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish anything or it can destroy it. So the bit part is about, talks about a horse. You know, when you have the bit in the horse's mouth, it controls where it goes. And then he used a ship illustration. And the reason he used that is because they didn't have buildings back then. Like, they don't have like the Sears Tower or Empire State Building. The biggest thing known to men back then was ships. And so they'd look at ships and they'd be like, oh, man, that is amazing. That's awesome and big. And they would, they would just be dumbfounded. They, people would go sit by the ocean or sit by the lake and just watch the ships go by. And so he says, hey, you know those big ships that we all talk about all the time? They can be controlled by one little rudder. And if the captain is a good captain and the strongest winds come, it doesn't matter because he keeps his rudder under control. And that's why he uses that, uh, that illustration. And he says, with that little rudder, you can destroy or you can accomplish. You know, the choice is up to you. He goes on to say, it takes only a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. So he's saying, with our tongues, one word, we could ruin the world. I mean, when you think of ruining the world, you think of bombs and guns and wars. He's saying, with our tongues, we can do that. He says, this is scary. <laughs> it absolutely is scary. You're, you can tame a tiger, but you cannot tame a tongue. It's never been done before. The tongue runs wild, a killer. With our tongues, we bless our God and our Father. With the same tongues, we curse every men and women He made in His image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. And this very next verse says, My friends, this cannot go on. So he says, hey, with our tongues, we bless God and we praise Him. And then we ruin someone's reputation. We curse a brother and sister that God made in His image. His image. And James is saying, this cannot be, folks. We have to put an end to this. You know, and he believed it strongly. How in the world do, are we ever going to tame our tongues? How in the world are we ever going to put an end to, to allowing our tongues to do destruction like we cannot believe? And there's only one way. And Dave talked about it three weeks ago, two weeks ago, that when Jesus permeates our hearts, then all of a sudden the right things come out of our tongue. And in this book of James, the very next, next passage, he talks all about the mind. So first he talks about the tongue, and then he talks about the mind. And he goes on to say that you can't control the mind or the tongue unless you have the right things going on in your heart. Matthew fifteen eighteen is the verse for that. You know, Jesus says this, but the things that come out of my mouth, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. So the things that are coming out from your mouth are really a reflection of what's going on inside of our hearts. And so, man, that begs the question, what's going on in our hearts? You know, what's going on in the hearts where, where we do destruction all the time, where we hurt people so stinking badly? And we've got to begin to curve that and change that. And the only way to get the good things going on in our hearts is to have Jesus fill us up, just like this song that we just sang. And when he fills us up, all of a sudden, our minds and our tongues, they're speaking good things and they're thinking good thoughts. Why? Because Jesus is inside there. It's not a matter of trying harder 
or being better. You know, it's a matter of him allowing him to penetrate deep down. Then all of a sudden, watch out. Reminds me of a story for me of how powerful the tongue can be. I was in middle school. And when I was in middle school, I thought I was like the coolest guy ever. And so I was on the football team. And what the football players did was we would go, as the middle school football team, we'd go to the varsity or the high school football game every Friday night. And so we'd dress up and we'd get together with all the team and the cheerleaders would be there. And it was cool. And so I remember this one football game, it was October. It was getting cold. I remember going to my mom. I was like, Mom, I got to get a leather jacket. I was like, all the football players have them. They have the black cool ones. They're like down to your knees. You know, they have the cool black gloves. I was like, I got to get one. She's like, Ryan, how much allowance do you have? I was like, I don't have any allowance. I spent it all on Techno Bowl and, uh, and movies and Pizza Hut with the friends after the football games. She's like, well, sorry. She's like, but I do have one idea for you. She says, I have this leather jacket, Ryan. It's pretty cool. Nobody would ever know it's mine. It kind of looks like Indiana Jones. Why don't you wear my jacket to the football game? It's like, good idea, Mom. And so it's not a good idea. <laughs> so let you know. So I wear my mom's leather jacket, but before I'm getting ready, I put on the tight black jeans. Okay, you guys remember, I have the, the weave belt, and you flip it down because it's cool. I have the Eastland shoes, no socks, with the spirals for the shoelaces. Tuck in my jersey. I have the long hair, the blonde. I have a little bit of a mullet going on. And so um, I'm walking to the football game, and I'm like, dude, everybody's going to be talking about me. I'm cool. I got Indiana Jones jacket on. You know, life is good. And so I see some people like pointing at me and talking. I'm like, yeah, they know how cool I am. And I'm sitting in the stands. I have my Coke in one hand, my popcorn in another. And one of my buddies from the football team comes and he sits down beside me, beside me and he's like, hey, Rye, everybody's talking. I was like, yeah, they are. You know? And he's like, no, it's not good. He's like, everybody's saying you look like a girl tonight. They think you bought that jacket from the women's department at the JCPenney's. And I'm like, oh gosh, they know. It's my mom's jacket. So I rip off the jacket, shove it under the bleachers, and I'm mad. I turn beet red. And I seriously remember this. I wanted to cry. I wanted to bawl. But I was like, if I cry, then they'll really think I'm a girl. You know? And so I didn't talk to another soul. I waited out the football game. The fourth quarter buzzer beeped, and I was like, I'm out of here. I sprinted to my mom's car, got in the car, threw the leather jacket in the back. I was like, Mom, this is all your fault. You know, made me wear the stupid jacket. And she's like, you didn't have to wear it. You know, I was like, I didn't know. And so remember, I went home, slammed my door to my bedroom, and cried in my bed for like a couple hours. And still to this day, I will not wear a leather jacket. You'll never catch me one. You won't. It's just not going to happen. But when everybody started gossiping and saying I look like a girl and all that stuff, oh, those feelings. I still get those. Even just telling you guys this story, it's awful. So if we are not careful, our tongues will destroy us. And there's three primary ways that our tongues will do that. The first one is gossip. When you're on the other side of the funny story, you know, it can be funny. You know, pointing at Ryan and be like, oh, he looks like a girl. But man, when you're the recipient of that, it's not so fun anymore. I remember a couple of years ago, our friends, uh, two of our dearest friends in the world, they, they were not trying for a baby, but one of our other friends decided to tell everybody that they were pregnant. It was the strangest thing. And so people were coming up to me and they're like, hey, are your friends pregnant? And I'm like, no, they're not pregnant. And then the girl didn't get bigger after a couple months. And everybody's like, oh, she lost the baby. And there were huge rumors going around. You're like, oh, gossip will destroy you. So anytime we talk about somebody behind their back, we're gossiping. Anytime we pass along information that could damage someone, gossip. Anytime we say something that's not fully honoring that person, it's gossip. Proverbs twenty nineteen says it like this. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Remember the opening video? Once the feathers are spread, 
The damage is done. You can't go pick those puppies up. You know, it's done. If you've been a part of K2 for a while, you may have heard about our crash. It's for our members. It's one of the best things that we do here at K2. Man, if you've not signed up or you've not been a part, we're going to do another, another semester of it in the fall. Make sure you do that. But one of the pledges we make as crash members is that we will cover each other's backs. So like when I hear somebody talking about somebody, we're, I'm going to say, hey, we, that has to end. Or it's happened to me. I've been saying something I shouldn't have. And my wife will be like, hey, right, I don't think you should be saying that. You know, and what we do is we cover each other's backs. We do our best and say that's one of the things that will happen as a member at K2. Absolutely incredible. And in the Christian circles, one of the ways that stuff spreads is through prayer requests. You're like, oh, I need you to pray for this guy. He was drunk last night and he was driving his car. He did this really stupid thing. You know, and you're like, man, that is not a prayer request. You know, sure, say, hey, I need you to pray for this person or pray for a person, a friend, but you don't have to say what happened or who they are. Or we say, I have a huge concern for this person, you know, and then we think we have a full, you know, full gamut just to say whatever we want to about them because we're concerned. Not a good way to handle it. So the first way our tongues will destroy us is by gossip. The second way is lies. We tell lies and it destroys stuff. Why do we tell lies? We tell lies to avoid trouble, to make ourselves look good, and to benefit ourselves. That's why we lie. You look at Bill Clinton. Why did he lie about having sexual relationships with this girl? You know, to look good. Hey, I'm still the president. I still have it all together. I'm a good guy. You can trust me. You know, George O'Leary. Do we know anybody? Anybody know who he is? He was a guy, Notre Dame. I wore the shirt today. Uh, he, he got the most prestigious job in college sports. Okay, Notre Dame head football coach. That's the best job in college football. By far, he gets the job. And then they come to find out he lied about being a football player. You know, and he lied about having his master's degree on his resume to get this job. And he had to resign instantly. Why? Because he did it to look good. So that he appeared to have it all together. Proverbs twelve nineteen says it like this. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. So truthful lips, they're going to endure forever. A lying tongue lasts a moment. And man, so many times, guys, we focus on that moment. I've done it. Where it's like, man, I want to look good. I want to look like I have it all together. And then in the end, it hurts us. I remember as a little kid, my mom would always say, hey, Ryan, when you tell lies, you have to tell lies to cover those lies. And eventually, you don't remember what lies you've told. You know, and that is 100% the truth. Eventually, you're like, I don't even know what really happened and what to believe as a result of lying. So two ways it'll destroy us, gossip, lies, and the third one is we tear each other down. We, are, we as a society, guys, are terrible at building each other up. And just pouring in and loving and encouraging. You know, we always knock each other down because like, oh, dude, it's funny. And man, if you're a student here today, or you have a student, or you know a student, my heart goes out to you guys like you don't know. It is so stinking hard, guys. I see our middle school students and our high school kids, and it's all they do is dog on one another and make fun. And like some of these kids are so innocent and amazing kids, but their friends don't know how to do anything except for tear them down. And you're just like, oh. My heart is broken because they have a chance to speak life into them. And so anytime you're around a student, man, encourage the snot out of them, all right? Put an arm around them. Tell them you love them. Tell them how great they are. You know, find something that they do well and just celebrate them. You know, and guys, I don't do this either. One of my best friends in the whole world, his name is Josh. And he is an amazing man. He's a great dad, a great husband, a great worker, serves at K2. And you know what I do? I make fun of him for like being short and stuff. I'm like, I'm the biggest jerk in the world. I could go up to that guy and totally encourage him, but I tease him because he's a short guy. 
You know? And that's just what we do as Americans. And it's sick and it's wrong. Ephesians 4.29 says it like this. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Man, what if we said, before we say these words, are my words good and helpful? Are they going to be an encouragement to this person's soul? And only them will we say them. So if we're not careful, guys, our tongues will destroy us through gossip and through lies and through tearing each other down. And that's why James wrote this. And he's like, holy cow, for centuries to come, you know, these Christians, I've seen it throughout my whole life. They're destroying each other with their tongues. I have to do something. And so he says, don't let it be. Let's put it into it right now. Reminds me of a story in Scripture, story of Peter. As all know, pretty much probably have heard of Peter. He was Jesus' closest disciple. He was his man. He was his number one guy. Everywhere that Jesus went, Peter was right there along. He was in his footsteps. Everything that Jesus experienced, Peter wanted to. Jesus is walking on the water. Guess who's right there beside him? Peter. You know, Jesus is there changing water into wine. Peter's right there. Jesus somehow meets up with some guys that are from centuries past, long gone dead. Guess who's there and gets to partake? Peter. And so Peter and Jesus, they are tight. They are close. And Jesus is is, uh, at the Last Supper. Guess who's sitting right beside him? You know, probably sharing the same bread bowl, dipping their bread in and everything. It's Peter. And so they're close. Right after the Last Supper, uh, Jesus is being let off. He's being, he's being led off by the, the, um, the officers, and they're like, all right, you're, you're going to your death. And one of the crowds sees Peter, and they're like, oh, that's Peter. That's Jesus' number one guy. That's his closest follower. And you guys know what Peter does? He crosses his arms, and he's like, nope, never seen him before. Like, he's like, Jesus who? Jesus of Nazareth? Never heard of him. You know, I've never been around that guy, and he totally bold-faced lies. He wants to have absolutely nothing to do with Jesus. You know, and what did he do? He didn't tame his tongue. He didn't control it. You know what? He let, the best, he let it get the best of him. And before long, he had to be embarrassed and ashamed. And that's why James wrote this book. That's why it talks about throughout all the scriptures that we have to learn to get control of it. We have to do what we can to speak better at people. But guys, the good news is, is it doesn't always have to end in destruction. Our tongues can do amazing, incredible things. And the, the way I want to tell you guys about it is the story of Jesus and Peter. And so Peter denied Jesus, okay? He died, he rose from the dead, and guess what Peter did? He went back to his old roots. He went back to fishing. This is found in John 21. You guys should write it down and read it when you get home. But um, Peter's back fishing, he's doing his own thing, and he's like, you know, he's down on himself, he's talking bad. He's like, I can't believe I did that. I'm such an idiot. Jesus was my homeboy. You know, I dogged him. I don't know what I was thinking. And so he's out fishing, he's not catching a darn thing, and he looks out, and on the beach, he sees Jesus. And he's like, oh man, what's he doing here? And so, no kidding, he jumps out of the boat, full on clothes on, hits the water, swims up to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, what are you here doing here? And Jesus is like, hey, I'm here to make breakfast. And so Peter's like, breakfast? And so a couple of the disciples come along, and they're sitting around eating breakfast, and Jesus looks at Peter, and he says, hey, I want to go for a walk with you after breakfast. And Peter has to be like shaking in his boots. He's nervous. He's like, he's going to light me on fire. He's going to do something bad. You know, this cannot end good is what he has to be thinking. And so breakfast ends and, and Peter's looking at his watch. He's like, Jesus, I got some stuff to do. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. And Jesus is like, come on, Peter. So these two walk, okay? They walk away from the rest of the disciples and Peter's thinking, uh-oh, I'm going to get it right here. And so Jesus sits Peter down on this log and he looks at him and he says, hey, Peter, I want you to know something. He says, I want you to know that I love you 
I want you to know that I believe in you. I want you to know that I forgive you. And I want you to take over for me here on this earth. I want you to help spread the news of my coming to all the ends of the earth. And Peter has to sit there and he has to be going, oh my gosh, this guy could have tore me a new one. He could have squeezed me so hard my breakfast came out. He could have done anything. But what does he do? He adds value to my life. He encourages my soul. Had to be absolutely incredible to be him, wouldn't it? And it just made me start to think, man, what am I doing as a person to add value to people's lives like Jesus did to Peter? You know, people that have wronged me, people that say stupid stuff, am I doing all that I can to add value to people's lives? It reminds me of a time in my life when I, when I was with my mentor, the guy that if he was not in my life, guys, I, there's no possible way I would be on the stage. There's no way I'd have Clarissa as my wife. You know, he was my youth pastor growing up. He was my confidant. Anytime I was going through a tough time, I'd call him and he'd be like, all right, I'll listen. I'll talk to you. I'll help you through this. You know, just this last week we talked. We talk all the time, but we were at breakfast a couple of years ago. And we're sitting there and we're eating and we're joking and talking about life. And I look up at him and he's crying. I'm like, John, are you okay? And he's like, no. He's like, Ryan, I just want you to know how proud of you I am. He's like, I've seen you grow up since you were in middle school. And the man that you've become today, I'm just so stinking proud of you. And I love you. And I'm sitting there and I start crying. And I'm like, oh, he spoke words of, of healing to my soul. You know, at that moment, I could have climbed Mount Everest. I could have done anything. Why? Because he added value to my life. I knew that he cared. I knew that he loved me. I knew that he would be with me till the end. Don't you long to have value added to your life like that? And don't you long to add value to people's lives? And guys, when we become people who add value, all of a sudden people want to be around us. They want to invite you over. Your cell phone's always ringing. People are at your door. They want to be involved in your life. And so this begs the question, are you a person who adds value to other people? Do you add value to your other people's life? One way you can answer it is when people are going through a tough time you know, and they don't know how to get out of bed, do they call you and say, hey, I need your help? You know, or say, come in, you know, make my bed, do whatever it takes. Or, I just want to be a, you to be a part of it. Or people are going through amazing times. They have a kiddo. There's a celebration order. They get that huge bonus at work. They call you and they're like, hey, let's go celebrate together. You know, and if you don't have those people, I wonder if you're adding value to their lives. You know, do you have people that add value to your lives? You know, that, that you're encouraged and inspired every time you're around. One way you can know that is let's pretend that tonight you're going to hang out with those people. You know, what are the natural feelings that come about whenever you're about to hang with them? Are you like, oh man, I dread this. I don't want to do it. Let's get it over with. And then we don't have to do it again for another month. Or are you like, man, I cannot wait to be there and to hang with them and encourage them and just to be around them. Or you have a lunch date with that person tomorrow. What are the natural feelings that come up? Are you like, all right, I'll be five minutes late and then I'll leave 10 minutes early so it won't be that long. I'll ask them about themselves and then I'll just get it over and done with and then I'm out of there. You know, are you like, man, I cannot wait to hang out with that person. And you look down at your watch and it's like an hour and 20 minutes later because you're so encouraged and inspired from being around them. We as a society, me, I'm terrible at this too. We're terrible at adding value to people's lives. And here's a few things that we can do that I can do on a daily basis to do it. And here's the first one. We can listen. When people are talking, we have to turn off our stupid cell phones, shut off the Bluetooth thing, or even take it off. You know, if you wear the Bluetooth on your ear, which is not that cool. But, um, <laughs> and when people are talking, you know, really listen to them. Just this week, I was talking to somebody, and I asked him the same question twice. That's a red flag. He, hello, I'm not listening. 
I did it. You know, I wasn't really listening. And so they answered the question. I didn't hear them. And so I asked them again. Another good thing we can do to add value is we can ask good questions. We can say, man, what's that like for you? What does that feel like? Or how does that play out? You know, when people are talking, ask them, reciprocate the questions. We can respond accordingly. If they're like, man, I'm such a terrible guy. I screwed up. I did this at work. You can say, dude, you are a fabulous husband. You're a fantastic dad. Or you're a great businessman or whatever it is. Respond accordingly to help them. You know, when somebody says something bad about themselves, don't just sit there and be like, hmm, yeah. You know, that's not a good way to handle it. And, then, and the, another one is just be genuine. You know, people know if, if it's just a, a friend that you see once in a while and you give a big hug, you're like, it's so good to see you. You're my best friend ever. You know, you sw- swap them on the butt. You know, th- they sense that when it's fake. It has to be genuine and, and truthful from your heart. John Maxwell, he has this thing. You guys know who he is? He's a... Uh, He's a business guy. He speaks to business execs all over the world. Former pastor, good leader. But um, there's this thing called the seven, the, the seven, the 30 second rule. And what he says is that every time he meets somebody, within 30 seconds, he wants to say something encouraging or inspiring to that person. So he walks into a meeting and he looks at a person. And he says, "Man, did you know that when you walk into a room, your smile lights up the room?" You know, or he says to a person, he says, "Hey, I just want to thank you ahead of time for the sacrifice that you made." For, uh, for meeting with me today. I know the burden it had to put on you. I just want to thank you. And he says that in the business world, most all the time you meet new people and we want to do whatever we can possibly do to make ourselves look good. You know, to say, I have money, I have it all together, I have everything figured out. He says, flip it. He says, do whatever you can do to help other people look good. He says, what you can do is you can thank them. Thank them in front of a group. Say, thank you for your generosity or whatever it is. You can brag on their accomplishments to the other people in the room. You can praise them for some quality that they exhibit, or you can compliment them. You know, I, I love this about you, or this that you're wearing, or you look great today, or whatever it is. But he says, every time before he goes into an important meeting, or any meeting, not even important, he says, what can I do to add value and to encourage these people today? And then whatever it is, he does it. What a great perspective to add value to people's lives. And that's the kind of person I long to be. William King has an incredible quote I want to share with you guys. It says, A gossip is one who talks about other people. A bore is one who talks about himself. And a brilliant conversationalist is one who talks to you about yourself. Isn't that so true? You know, if you want to be a gossip, excuse me, just talk about other people. Boring people, they only talk about themselves, right? Everybody has people like that where they never reciprocate a question. You ask them the whole time, How are you doing? What's going on? How's your job? How's your family? How's your neighbors? How's... You know, and they never, they never talk back. But if you want to be a brilliant conversationalist, talk to them about themselves. You know, and, and, and when it's reciprocated, man, something beautiful begins to happen. And so, guys, as K2, we have a choice with our tongues. We can do something destructive, and we can tear down, and we can burn people's reputations, or we can add value to people's lives. We can make things beautiful. We can inspire, or we can curse. The choice is up to us. And so maybe you're here this morning and you've set a lot of fires with your tongue. You know, your ship rudder has been out of control. My thought for you this morning is this, is that Jesus wants to take you for a walk and he wants to sit you down and grab your face and look at you and say, hey, I want you to know something that I love you, I believe in you, and until I'm in your heart, you're never going to begin to get control of your heart or in control of your tongue. But once I'm in there, all of a sudden, Things that come out of your mouth, you're not going to believe. And things that are coming out of your mind. And you'd say, I want your heart. I long to have your heart. And maybe you're here this morning and you just need to open up your heart to him for the first time and say, all right, 
You can have it. You've had all of it or 80% of it. I'm going to give it all to you right now. You know, and then when we do that, all of a sudden, our tongues are going to be used for beautiful things. Or maybe you're here this morning and you do your best to add value to people's lives. You try your hardest and you're always thinking, what can I do to encourage? Man, is there a person who's wronged you? Is there a person who said something that was totally wrong, was totally off limits, that you could go back to and just say, put an arm around them and say, I love you, I forgive you, all is well, you know, and, and do something to add value to their life? Or maybe there's just a person in your life that you need to add value to. Somebody that keeps coming to mind that you just cannot shake. You know, and whenever you know what that is, man, find that person and add value. Because guys, I long to be a person that adds value to the people that I come into contact with. I'm sure you guys too, because those are the people we all want to be around. So for every single one of us, I came, I came across this analogy this week or this uh, acronym. That I hope, my hope and my prayer is that we would think before we talk. And here's, how, here's what think stands for. We have it on the screen. The T and think is for, is it true? So before we talk about somebody, we'd say, is it true? The H, is this helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And finally, is it kind? And if we cannot answer positive to those things, then we probably shouldn't be saying it. You need to zip that mouth shut and throw away the key, you know, or whatever it is. But man, if we would just be people who think before we say it, it would be absolutely incredible. And so my hope for all of K2 is imagine, guys, imagine what would happen in our lives if we said, our families, we're going to be people who add value to every person in our family. In our workplace, we're going to do the same. And in our church and in our neighborhood, I think that we would be people who are excited and joyful and thankful and encouraged. And, and we would experience this peace that Dave talked about, you know, that we all long for. Band, if you guys want to come on up, and guys, I got to tell you, I don't have this one figured out. You know, when I found out I was teaching this, I was like, oh, crap. You know, this is not a good topic for me, guys. You know, and I all the time say stuff. I'm like, I wish I could just take that back and insert it, you know, back into my mouth. But you can't. And guys, one of the things we have to do is constantly I wake up every morning and say, all right, Lord, take my heart, you know. And then when he has our heart, the right things begin to come out of our mouth. You know, and so that's my prayer for me and for my little girl. Guys, I have a one-year-old baby. And I look at her and I'm like, oh, I don't know what's ahead for her through middle school and high school. But my hope is that she would be a person that adds value to other people's lives. And guys, every chance that I get, I'm going to add value to her life. Every single moment that I get. I don't want to be a dad that always is beating her up with my tongue, you know, and saying stupid stuff and making fun of her. I want to encourage this snot out of this little girl. And I think that, man, as a community, if we could do that, we would look a lot different. I think people would be busting at the seams to get into K2. Everybody would be like, I want to be a part of there. I feel peace when I go in there. I feel encouraged and loved. Don't we all long for that? Man, guys, we can do this. Can I pray for us? Can I pray for me and for you guys that we can get a hold of this? Hey, Jesus, thank you for tonight, or this morning. Lord, thank you for the second and the third and the fourth chances, God. Thank you for the grace that you poured out to Peter and you do to us today. We don't deserve it and we didn't earn it. And Lord, I pray that you would infiltrate every part of our hearts, God, and that you would take control. And God, that your words would fly out of our mouths and your words would fly into our minds and what you think of people would really come out. God, we love you. We trust you. We realize we cannot do it from our own strength. So God, it's only because of you that we're here and we thank you for all that you've done and all that you will do in our lives. We love you and we thank you for adding value to us every single day. In your son's name, amen.